<laughs> All right, I think we're good to go. Let me uh, welcome everyone. Welcome, Miss Renita. Tifaluka. What's up, Bookie? And our unseen and unheard um, audience on Zoom, on um, Facebook, sorry. <laughs> welcome, everyone. Hope you all had a great weekend. Um, hello. <laughs> Good evening. Good to see y'all. Ada, how you doing? Let's see if I can pop this out. Let's see here. Oh, let me do that. Oh, there it is. Pop out. There we go. All right. So we are good to go. Um, I am not a perfectionist in Jesus' name. I am a Christist, whatever that is. But um, I like to make sure that my video quality is up to snuff. And I just knocked over a bottle of water there. But let me just make sure I can crank up the brightness a little bit. I think we're good right there. 160 is good. No, we want to be at 100. Yeah, because of. Nigel, electricity, that's good. And um, is that clean? That does look clean. All right, okay, I think we're good to go. Hit record and we can start. Well, hello everyone, how's everyone doing? Trust y'all doing great. Let me make sure my props actually make sense. I don't know why I have the second flower here. No, this is fine. You can't even see this one. I think this is to cover up some wires, but anyways, <laughs> y'all are looking at the inner workings of some of the things happening here. Um, but first of all, welcome. Welcome to Word For Now, everyone. Hope you've all had amazing weekends. My name is Francis Seabor Jr. And I am um, privileged um, to be um, a member of the Hebrew community and also to be here with you, bringing the word by the mercy and grace of God, or at least whatever measure the Lord you know, um, gives to me tonight. And um, I'm sure it's going to be fun. So we are going to start with a word of prayer and we'll kick things off. <sighs> Lord Jesus, we say thank you. Thank you for your love and your endless pursuit. We say thank you for everything that you're doing in our hearts and our minds. Thank you. Our only response is thank you. Lord, as a deer pants for the water brook, so pants our souls for you. Oh, that's good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's write that down. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, so, um, wow, that was beautiful. Amen. Mm. All right, so um, we have been on a journey. Oh, there's more people. Welcome. Welcome, blessing. Your birthday was happened recently. <laughs> was recently. Um, I think, okay, family, welcome to y'all too. <laughs> so good to see everyone. Okay. Um, this is Word for Now. I'm going to put up the graphic um, for Word for Now. This is our cool looking perspective graphic image thing. And um, here is the normal one that we use. And we have been on a trajectory um, following our recently concluded um, um, Watchman Prophetic Conference which is um, Christ, the blueprint of the future ages. And we have been talking about the Jewish feasts because that was an emphasis that was brought forth during the conference. And during our journey through all of that, we also had kind of, kind of a, um, let me see here. Um, yes, that emphasis was laid during the conference, but then, um, the purpose was that that journey would bring us kind of like transition into 
um, the theme of the conference. Amen. And so we've been looking at the Jewish feasts. Um, you've been with us. You've been hanging out with us. You know, you know, you know the drill. It's been, you know, Passover, Peshach, 11 bread and first fruits, Pentecost, Shavuot, Shavuot, Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah, Atonement, uh, which is Yom Kippur, and the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the Feast of Booths or Sukkot. And we've been explaining that the climax of all of these feasts is Tabernacles, amen? And Tabernacles speaks about when we discover, not discover, that's the wrong word, when we actively experience um, who we are in Christ, Amen. Um, I love the way Jane Lade says it when she speaks. Um, she says, um, "Some people will be who would be um, of great privilege amongst in, amongst the Trinity, men of great um, privilege or great favor in the Trinity." Let me see if I can get this these words. Beautiful um, Trinity. Yes. Uh huh. There must be raised up certain head powers to bear the first shock who are to be persons of great eminence and favor with the Trinity, whose dread and fear shall fall upon all nations, visible and invisible, because of the mighty acting power of the Holy Spirit, which shall rest upon them. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. There's been so much celebration. My sister's birthday party was last week. Papa's birthday um, is today. And uh, happy birthday, Papa, when you get to see this. I'm not sure if he's online right now, but he's probably watching on Facebook. But whenever you do get to see this, happy birthday. We love you. Everyone, I know everyone has been posting pictures and sending so many love um, letters and kind um, blessings and prayers and pictures are everywhere. <laughs> but I love what she said. What she was explaining was um, the principle um, of, oh, come on, escaping, uh, escaping gravity. There's a term for this thing. When you pierce, like um, when you, so basically, um, We've had the technologies for space travel for quite a while prior to the first time um, a vehicle like left um, escape velocity, that's what it's called. Prior to the first time that a vehicle was um, released that successfully, you know, left the Earth's orbit and then re-entered the Earth's orbit. Basically, um, all of us right now, we are in orbit around the Earth, but just because we're attached physically to the Earth, it doesn't seem that way. Some other um, entities in free fall, but their free fall um, happens to um, keep them in loop. So basically they're falling into the earth, but the rate of their fall um, happens, you know, to create a curvature that kind of like runs parallel with the, um, yeah, with the, like an, almost like an outer shell um, that revolves around the entire earth. So they're falling. So here's the earth, like here's the earth as a ball. Here's the earth as a ball here, right? And they're technically falling towards the earth, but there's there's also some like um, angular momentum so that they're falling towards the earth, but that's not the only force acting on them. So they're falling towards the earth, but at the same time, there's also this angular momentum. So the rate of fall towards the earth is kind of like offset by this other angular momentum. So they end up just spiraling around, okay? Eventually, if the force um, angular momentum is actually stronger than the acceleration due to gravity, they eventually spiral outwards if it is if it's the smaller than gravity, they spiral inwards. If it is the same rate, they just stay there, right? So before um, space travel was developed that could afford humanity escaping um, um, our gravitational pull, what happened was um, technology was invented, but you know, at the, you know, prior to our first vehicle that successfully did that, 
but they had an issue. And that issue was that once they began to penetrate like different levels of the atmosphere, there was no uh, material that was durable enough to withstand the shock, the sheer shock of brick, you know, hitting all of those layers. So because of that, um, until they could get a specific alloy that was able to withstand the intense pressure, okay? They used that alloy to coat um, the front part of every rocket and every space shuttle that left the atmosphere because it was necessary for it to be coated that way to withstand that shock. So this lady is saying here in a prophecy, there must be raised up certain head powers to bear the first shock, who are to be persons of great eminence in favor with the Trinity, whose dread and fear shall fall upon all nations, visible and invisible, because of the mighty acting power of the Holy Ghost, which shall rest upon them. She's making reference to those people who are going to partake of the of the seven feasts of Israel. Because the truth is that while everything in the seven feasts is on the inside of us as believers, when every child of God is unfortunately going to experience all that Christ did for them. We see that all the time, right? Healing belongs to everyone, but not everyone is experiencing healing, right? Forgiveness belongs to everyone, but not everyone is experiencing forgiveness and freedom from sin. Amen. Um, to do all of these things, we have to feast. Amen. And feasting is non-negotiable with the Lord. And welcome, Francis Odemi. Good to see you. And um, I think the only new person I've seen here. And then AZ. What's up, AZ? I don't know who you are, but welcome. <laughs> and so it's non-negotiable for the Lord. The people who experience the feasts, amen, who experience Pentecost, who experience first fruits, amen. We refer to them in the Bible at the Manchild Company. Hallelujah. And what happens with them is that they break into the likeness of Jesus Christ before everyone else does. Amen. Welcome, buddy. Hallelujah. And um, we've been explaining that while only a select few are going to experience this, that was never God's plan. God is never someone that has favorites. Even God doesn't consider himself a favorite. God considers himself a member. It's crazy when you look at how God looks at himself, right? His humility is bar none. He's not foolish in his humility. It's wisdom, really. But he just, where he, he looks at everything fairly from a righteous perspective. And he doesn't esteem himself higher than anyone else. So he looks at himself as a playing member, even though he's the one that is, you know, creating sufficiency and keeping everything going. That's the truth. But it's incredible the way God thinks. And it's beautiful. I think it's awesome. <clears throat> Hallelujah. So in, in God's effort, um, for all of us to come into all of this, we have these seven feasts, right? And the climax of the feast is tabernacles, amen, where um, our union with God, our oneness with Jesus, amen, the fullness of all that Christ has done cannot be denied in any way whatsoever. Any agency that tries to deny it will experience force that is very painful. They will not be able, they will not be able to. Every, every resistance is futile, basically. The Bible says that um, the enemies that try to resist um, the force of the man-child company is going to be like a metal rod, and a rod of iron, you know, um, smiting um, clay pots. And the same resistance that the clay pots will give to the rod of iron is the same resistance that um, the forces of darkness are going to give to the, you know, expression of the nature of Christ coming out of us. Amen. Once we have gone through these feasts. And so right now that gusher is alive on the inside of us. Amen. But only those that believe, only to those that believe, Amen. That um, out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. Amen. And that is the Feast of Tabernacles. Amen. Where we experience all of this. We've been explaining that the end goal of that is that you find tabernacle families where um, the entire body of Christ is the tabernacle, but you find specific families, specific households, right? Specific tribes. Amen. Where unique traits. Amen. 
are found. We gave examples of Levi, we gave examples of Issachar, we gave examples of Zebulon and Judah, amen? And um, the whole point of those examples was to show how the 12 tribes of Israel, amen, were meant to capture, amen, unique facets of God, which when all brought together, amen, they formed the image of Christ that you see referenced all throughout scripture, amen? So basically, some of us are the eyes, some of us are the nose, some of us are the hands, the elbows, amen? the legs, but all together, we spell out God. We spell out that image and likeness of God, amen? It is important to understand that while each and every one of us has a unique um, expression of God, internally, we have the same DNA. We have the same spirit, amen? But to one, the spirit works something uniquely, amen? In Jesus, the spirit works out, amen, the head of the body, you cannot manifest the head of the body, amen? What I mean by that, you cannot give expression to, sorry, that's a wrong way of saying that. You can't give expression to. And because you are a member of the body, amen, through you, the head of the body can be found, right? Hallelujah. And that's what happens when we bear the Lord's name. So yes, we cannot give expression to the head of the body per se, but because we are one with him, then we can. Does all this make sense? I'm saying all this so that we don't get into the place of saying things like, I'm not called to be an evangelist, or I'm not called to be a this, so that's why I don't do this. That's not how things work, amen? In the body, the fullness of God is on the inside of us. So we express everything that the spirit would have us express. And because we're one with God, we can express anything spirit would have us express. However, it is very important that we also understand the place of the body, amen? Where the spirit in his wisdom would have you not do some things and have other people do some things. So for example, the, people, the, the lame guy at the beautiful gate, Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, in specifically did not let Jesus Christ heal that guy. Why? Because other members of the body are meant to do that. And I can show this to you in the Bible, okay? Colossians chapter 1. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 1. Very important. This is a narrative you're going to see all throughout Scripture, in fact. To be very honest with you, it's a scary portion of Scripture to me. From verse 24, I believe. Uh, we can just read this and um, we can kick things off from here. Paul says, I now rejoice in my suffering, my sufferings for you. Welcome, Auntie Keiichi. Yay. And welcome, Ifyok. Welcome, Ifyok. <laughs> and I rejoice, Mrs. Keiichi, right? <laughs> in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is lacking of the afflictions of all, <laughs> afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake. Okay, so Paul is saying here, okay, that there is that which was lacking okay, of the afflictions of Christ in his flesh for the body's sake. What does that mean? People think that there is that Paul, Apostle Paul alone bore the weight of the sacrifice of Jesus, amen, and no one else could bear that. You could argue that, but really what's happening is that the Bible says if we suffer with him, we will be glorified with him. Now, because the Lord wants all of us to partake of his glory, there's measures of sufferings, amen? The suffering, called, the Bible calls them the reproaches of Christ or the sufferings of Christ. Ought not Christ to die, to suffer before entering his glory? Man, we need to get, I need to get this into my skin. I need to get this into my bloodstream, amen? Christ ought to die. Man, I know I was using this thing to cover up this cable right here. <laughs> Christ ought to die, amen? In order to enter his glory. Hallelujah. I didn't do my setup perfectly there, but whatever. Um, I hope everyone understands what I'm saying. Um, anyways, so 
if all of us are Christ, then all of us, amen, since we have the eye, the elbow, we spell out Christ, there's also the unique sufferings of Christ that we're also meant to spell out. Does that make sense? And there's the unique facets of the glory of Christ that we're all meant to spell out. Amen. So you see some believers are meant to be martyrs. Amen. That is a glorious portion. Amen. Of the sufferings of Christ. Amen. The Christ that died physically. Amen. Some of us are meant to die in the entertainment industry. There's a measure of suffering you're meant to go through. Amen. Some of you are meant to die in the church world. You're meant to suffer in the church world. You're meant to be a believer um, who's a fivefold ministry member, amen? And you're meant to bear burdens and pain. Some of us are intercessors, amen? And I'm saying some of us, we all have, we're all, there's some things that are going to be common among all of us, but there's some people that you can just tell, like they are intercessors, like Epaphras, for example, amen? All of us are meant to intercede. Hope everyone sees one. You're getting the balancing act. I'm, I'm kind of juggling all these things here, amen? But the point I'm trying to pull out here is this, okay? There are things that are left behind by Jesus. Jesus Christ himself said it, right? The works that I do, you shall do. And what greater work shall you do? Amen. I want to show you this principle. Amen. It's a principle consistent all throughout scripture. Amen. And it's the principle of generations. Amen. Of the ages. Amen. I'm going to start this off through Hebrews chapter one. Okay. The Bible says you're God in times past. Okay. Let me, let me help us all out and dodge um, King James here, okay? And God at various times, in various ways, spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, amen? God would speak in specific ways, amen, to our ancestors. So in each age, God would speak in a unique way. This is so important, amen? Because you would see the fathers, they would cast vision into the future and they would lay hold, amen, on realities with their hearts, amen? that were not for their time. And they will begin to plunge themselves, amen, into those realities. But en route to laying hold, to touching, to manifesting these realities, what you will see, amen, is that somewhere along the line, the Lord will tell them, stop, don't do this, this is not for you. You see this with Elijah, you see this with um, David, you see this with um, the prophet Daniel, you see this with Samuel, amen? And what you see with them is the spirits of God telling them. In fact, you even see this with the early church, the apostles. You see the early church fathers. They came into measures of what you can refer to as immortality. You couldn't kill. The apostles were unkillable. They got to a place you couldn't kill them. There was a time when they were kind of like, kind of playing around with the prison cells, you know, cap capture Peter, he escapes, capture him again, he escapes. After a while, they were like, okay, <laughs> This guy's a national security threat. This guy needs to be in solitary confinement. So what did they do? They put him in solitary confinement and they handcuffed him, all right, to two soldiers on each hand. You are not escaping from this jail cell, sir. So they cuffed him on both. <laughs> There's a reason why they did that, right? Because these guys have been pulling off Houdinis, all right? And then he still walks out of the prison. In fact, it's so ridiculous how he walks out. He thinks it's a vision. It's so that's how funny it is. Amen. <laughs> He's like, wait, this is real life. Are you kidding me? I just walked out of the maximum security prison. Anyways, um, <laughs> after a while, they got to the place where they would die and come back to life. You see this with Paul, right? They stoned him to death. He came back. See this with um, Paul again, right? The serpent bites him. Amen. He doesn't die. You see this with um, with Peter. Amen. Um, you see this with James. If you read about Fox Book of Martyrs and you read about our ancestors, man, I feel teaching grace. Amen. Thank you. 
Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You, you see our church fathers. It's so interesting. Hallelujah. Okay. You see our ancestors. Amen. They really celebrated the life of Christ. Amen. You would see, um, I heard about, so if you read about some of the church fathers, you hear, you hear about James. Amen. Um, Apostle James in, in the scriptures, the one that wrote the book of James. Um, they tried throwing him off a cliff and that proved unsuccessful um, because that was not how he was meant to die. And so eventually they clubbed him to death. That was how he was meant to go. You see someone like a hey, Peter, amen. I mean, during the time of persecution, all everyone in the church fled except for the apostles. Peter stayed in Jerusalem in the peak, in the heat, in the climax of persecution. And he refused to budge. They stayed right there, kept on preaching the gospel openly. Amen. And the reason why was because put me in prison, I come out, keep on preaching. They, they weren't afraid to die. Amen. And unfortunately, or fortunately, they didn't <laughs> until the time appointed. Amen. And it was so interesting that that would happen because you're seeing these guys, they were unkillable. You know, John, Apostle John, that wrote the book of Revelation, you know, we read different accounts. You hear of him being poisoned. Um, that was unsuccessful. You hear about him being poisoned in prison. That was unsuccessful. You hear about him being um, thrown off a cliff. Also, also unsuccessful. You hear about him being put in a pot of boiling oil. Also unsuccessful. Amen. And eventually they just exiled him just because like, what on earth? And then he came back and um, what is it now to Ephesus later on after I think after the emperor was changed and he came back to, um, to Europe. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, you read about um, um, some other church fathers, you know, some of the disciples of Paul, some of the disciples of Jude, James and, and, and the rest of them. And you hear, I think one of those Polycarp, they tried um, burning him at the stake. What happens that he would teleport a lot and they the, the government had difficulty catching him until the Lord told him that it's time for him to go. And he basically he said, okay. So he got his house ready and prepped up. And then they, you know, eventually caught him and hands up. He's like, okay, I'm I'm literally surrendering myself here. Kind of like Jesus in Gethsemane when he was like, Why are you guys coming at night? I mean, I was out there in the open, I wasn't hiding. <laughs> Like he was basically like almost like there is no need for all this drama. Like I have, I'm submitting myself to you. Who are you looking for me? I'm the one. Leave my leave my apostles alone. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so they gave themselves. Amen. You read about even uh, some prophets. You know, like Elisha, for example. Bible says that when Elisha was sick with the sickness by which he should die. Amen. In other words, you could not kill Elisha. Amen. You just could not. Just like you could not kill Elijah. You just could not, amen? Not physically, at least. With Elisha, you could tell, right? Because when um, his dead bodies, um, his dead bodies, dried up bones, made contact with another entity, that entity came back to life immediately, showing that what? There is no way that his physical frame could actually have died naturally. There had to be some kind of game played there. Papa calls it um, Holy Ghost Dribble where the spirits of God sets someone up, all right, to meet with the Lord, amen, to drop their physical body. Hallelujah. Welcome, Victor Onawuchi. Good to see you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Welcome, Pastor Samson. Yay. Oh, by the way, Pastor Samson's message on, on, on Saturday was amazing. I want to encourage everyone to, to listen to that. It was powerful. I'll post it on 
the group chats. It was so it was so beautiful. Myself, if y'all can, France Dan, we were talking about it after fellowship was finished. So good. Yes, yes, it was it was straight fire. Um, definitely worth engaging, especially if, if the Lord's give you an instruction that's painful. I encourage you to listen to it. Hallelujah. So you read about all these saints, and then you see them die. I remember when I when I would have struggles in my life, and I'll cry out to God and be like, Lord. Why? Why am I going through all of these things? If I was around in the time of Apostle Paul, would I be going through these things? Why did you let these people die? Like, it didn't make any sense to me. You know, these people that had it down, they had the actual curriculum of the New Testament. You see these foundational principles of the oracles of Christ that the body is just now rediscovering? They had it. They had it back then. It was, it was called the Apostles' Doctrine. It was foundational. Every believer was establishing these things. You know what we're doing like in Lamb's Wife and all these trainings? That was, that was essential for every single believer. There was not a Christian that didn't go through all of those kind of routines and regiments. Amen? And then now in, in, in church, you're now a serious believer. Amen? When you can meditate for maybe a few minutes without distraction. When you have saints that could wait on God for days and they're caught up and it was never a thing of pride. Amen? It's just, it, those things would hurt me because I'm like, you know, it's nice to know about these things, but like people are, are dying, like because these people aren't around. So what on earth is happening? And the Lord began to show me a principle in scripture, amen, of generation, God is doing things over the generations and God gives every generation an opportunity to respond. And basically in each generation, no one else can do what your generation can do. It's very important that we understand this because this picture of the tabernacle of God, it's not just found in one generation. This tabernacle of God is scattered across millennia. I'll, I'll show this to you in the scriptures. Amen. Let's go to Revelations chapter 21. Hallelujah. So we're going to read um, Revelation 21 from verse 9. Now we're going to look at something that many people think is heaven. We are not looking at heaven here. We're looking at the city of God. The city of God and heaven are two completely different things. Amen. The city of God, amen, speaks about the culture and civilization of God. Amen. Heaven, amen, um, is where God can be found right now. Amen. But the dwelling place of God, amen, um, in the future ages is not going to be the heavenlies. Amen. It's going to be humanity. And humanity the way God defines it is that city. Does that make sense? So there's people that are going to come into the humanity that God initially desired human beings to come into. Amen? And they're going to be called the city of God. The city of God is not a building. It's a community of people. It's that tabernacle we're speaking of. People that have partaken of the seven feasts of God and they've come into the fullness of Christ. Amen? So reading this on, an angel came and said, let me show you the bride, the lamb's wife. Amen? And he carried me away to a great, show me a great city, the holy Jerusalem descending, having the glory, having the glory of God. That means she looks like God. The glory of God is not a bright light. The glory of God, amen, is an image and a likeness. Jesus Christ had the brightness of God's glory because he came into the express image of his person. Amen. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. This is a reference to the likeness of God because earlier on in Revelation chapter four, God was described, amen has been made up of a jasper and a sardine stone. So the Bible is saying that light emanating from the city of God looks like the light emanating from God. 
my camera right now, okay? This camera you guys are using to see me, amen? It's just capturing lights that is bouncing off of my face, amen? You're not actually looking at me, amen? You are looking at lights captured, anyway, all right? From my face, all right? Sent into that camera, that camera converts that light, okay? Those light, um, those light rays into electrical signals. And on whatever screen you're looking at right now, it is simulating, it is releasing the exact same light pattern, light signature that was captured by the camera. The end goal is that you, it looks like you're looking at me right now. Amen. But you're not looking at me. I mean, I'm in a completely different place from wherever, wherever you guys are at right now. Amen. And this is exactly what God wants. Amen. Where you're looking at a human being and you're seeing the light of God. Does that make sense? You're looking at a phone and you're seeing a human. Amen. Now what God wants, you're looking at a human. Someone said what? Your likeness captured. Exactly. Does that make sense? The image and likeness of God. So the light from the city, the signal keeps breaking, or is it just me? If, if the signal is breaking, if I'm, I'm glitching, please let me know. Amen. She had a grade and high wall with 12 gates. Now, please pay attention here, okay? She had a grade and a high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and names written on them. Now, please pay attention. Which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel? Now, I want to ask you, when were the 12 tribes of Israel first seen? They were first seen where? The book of Genesis, right? Right? So in the book of Genesis, we have the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay? You see them listed out right here, right? Three gates on this side, three gates on that side, three gates on that side. Okay? Now, verse 14. Now, the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So here you have the gates, all right, that are found in the book of Genesis. But then the walls, the foundation of the walls, amen, the, the circumference, the perimeter of the city of God, all right, is, this, is built up, okay, springs up from these individuals, the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Where were they found? In the Gospels. Is anyone listening? The work done by Apostle Paul, the work done by Peter, by Jude, by James, right? That, that, that the measure of Christ they bore witness to, Amen, is what you're seeing as part of this city. So here you're looking at Genesis to the Gospels. What, what is the time, time, time frame we're looking at here? What is the time gap here, the time jump? Thousands of years, beloved. Has everyone seen this? So the city of God is this eternal construct, amen, built over several generations, amen? Some parts in some generations, some in some others, amen? The end goal, though, amen, is for a full representation of the image and likeness of God in one generation, where they're able to fully inherit what their ancestors carried, amen, in their generation and continue it. The wisdom of this is by something called families. I sometimes refer to them as streams, but the language you see many times is families, amen. You see this in the Bible with people that will have like the spirit of Elijah, for example. If you check in the scriptures, you see the spirits of Elijah captured by Elijah first, right? Explicitly by Elijah first. Obviously, the spirit of Elijah is the Holy Spirit, right? But you're seeing a specific portion of the spirits of God, all right, is branded, all right, by the man Elijah because of the level of intimacy he broke into with that portion of Jesus Christ, right? The spirit of Elijah is captured by him. But you see that spirit also carried by Elisha, 
and then by John the Baptist. And in the book of Revelation, at the very end, Revelation 11, you see that same spirit coming into its climax in Revelation 11 with the two witnesses. Hallelujah. This, these things were prophesied by the Lord in Malachi chapter 4, when God said, I send you Moses, right? Remember the law of Moses? And behold, I send you what? Elijah. Hallelujah. So you're seeing that the things that God did before, amen, in the Old Testament, amen, he's also bringing, there's also like a resurgence of them in the new, or a climax of them in the new, amen? These are the families we're speaking of. There are candlestick families, amen? Hallelujah. There are um, um, brazen altar families. There are, there are golden altar families. There are Ark of the Covenant families. Is everyone listening? And these families are scattered throughout generations. So you see things like God saying something like, oh, you see the Lord telling David, when did I ask you to build me a house? I never revealed this to you. And what God was saying was that in his generation, there was actually no talk about a physical temple of the Lord. Amen. So when David had it in his heart to build God a resting place, David was breaking into the next generation. He was seen afar off. I'm going to show this to us in the scriptures real quick. First Peter chapter one. Let's start now from verse 10. Beautiful portion of scripture. Amen. Connects with our heritage, our ancestry. Bible says here of this salvation, the salvation that all of us are experiencing, our ancestors, the prophets, they inquired and searched carefully. <sighs> Who prophesied of the grace that will come to you, searching what or what manner of time the spirits of Christ, which was in them, was indicating when he testified beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. Can you see this, beloved? Amen. Our ancestors, they came into intelligence in God. They came into classified information that was not meant for their time and their dispensation. Remember, God spoke in times past in various ways to our ancestors, the prophets. The language captured in scripture is actually suggesting that in each dispensation, God spoke to different prophets in unique ways, you know, according to their age, according to their time, according to their generations. Amen. So you see like an apostle Paul, there was a way that God spoke in his time. You see an Elijah, there's a way that God spoke in his time. Still the same God speaking, but he's speaking in unique ways. Is everyone listening? Amen. The end goal of all of these speakings of God, amen, is actually that God is actually is something that God wants to see at the end of the ages. So God is speaking in each generation, the next phase of his plan. But there is a climax. This is what I want to get at here, okay? All of these things are, are to be done with an understanding that God is actually going somewhere. It's like the stream is flowing. And just because the stream flows through your town, that doesn't mean that that's the end of the river. The river flows through your town. But then the, the town that is east of you, there was the same river is flowing there, but it's acting differently in that place. So you see in one place, there's rapids. Another place is a waterfall. Another place, the water crashes. Another place, the water seems still and moving calmly and slowly. Does all this make sense? Very important that we understand this, amen? Because this is the wisdom that our ancestors had, amen? And I, I wanna show this to us in the scriptures. Now, I'm about to, I feel like I've been relatively simple so far. 
So forgive me if we're about to take things up a notch. Amen. It might seem a little bit difficult to follow, but please stay with me, okay? Hallelujah. You will not die if you pay attention. Amen. When Adam and Leaf, Adam and Leaf, they really left. What's that dude that says, I will now take my leave? Okay, so when Adam and Eve, they left the Garden of Eden, okay? Um, they left. God didn't kick them out. They left. Amen? The scriptures um, upon first read might suggest that um, they took, God kicked them out, but that's not because that's not what happened. Amen? So they left the Garden of Eden by their disobedience. Now, when God came, it was then revealed to them their new, their new state. Okay, that's what we refer to as the curses that God released upon Eve and Adam and the serpent amen no god was just letting them know he was opening up their eyes to see basically judgment was being passed or their true estate was being made manifest amen so they realized where they were at and as soon as they realized where they were at then came the realization that i used to be there before and so what now happened is that adam and eve all right they began to stipulate how to return to eden how do i know this because when you read Genesis chapter 3 at the very end, look at the words, all right, that were released here, okay? From verse 22, the Bible says, God said, behold, man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Notice how God knows good and evil. Hallelujah. So that phrase, knowledge of good and evil, amen, is not intrinsically evil. I've explained this before. The knowledge of good and evil means the ability to judge or discern or tell what is right from what is wrong. Amen. Now, there is a knowledge of good and evil that God has that brings life. There is a knowledge of good and evil, amen, that we took from Satan that kills us. Very important that we understand that. I know there's a way this thing has been taught and explained, but please hear me out when I'm saying this, okay? The, the phrase knowledge of good and evil, it is just like me saying discernment. Amen. So God was saying here, man has become like us. He's discerning. But the discernment that man came into was not the discernment of God. It was the discernment of Satan. Now, why is God saying this? Because before Adam and Eve, all right, had finished fellowshipping with darkness, all right, they did not, they had not received the judgments of Satan. They had not received Satan's discernment yet, okay? But because they had finished a class, a module of darkness, God said, man has matured, okay? Man has, has developed in darkness, okay? Man's development should not have been in darkness, should have been in light, right? But because man had developed nonetheless, you're going to see this theme all throughout scripture. Whenever man goes through a stage of development, whether it is in light or darkness, God shows up to certify the work done. Amen? Because the truth is that throughout that age, there was progress made. Woe betide thee if you progress in darkness and God shows up. Amen? Because then you see what darkness really is. If you're repentant, God will have mercy and, and bring healing because that's what he shows up to do. But when people mature in darkness, repentance is hard because darkness teaches you to refuse and reject repentance. Um, Pastor Samson's message was on how darkness teaches us to fear repentance. So when we see repentance, we run away from it. Adam and Eve, when they saw God, what did they do? They ran away. But we're meant to journey Amen. We're meant to serve God. Amen. With holy fear. That's his message. Let me not get into that right now. Amen. Okay. Now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. So what's, what is God seeing here? Man wants to return. Right? Because when you see your state that, ah, I'm naked, you want to find coverings. You want to find shelter. Amen. 
Now, what now happened was that because God knows, all right, the state that man is in and the danger, amen, of man showing up in Eden, all right, without having a pure heart. You see, the reason why the Feast of Pentecost is necessary, why you have to wash your clothes, why you have to, um, all the rituals of Pentecost we explained, right? Where you have to let go of sin, let go of, of, of ungodly influence, let go of all those things of superfluity of naughtiness, right? The reason why we have to let go of all of these things, amen, is because it is dangerous for you to be listening to God and Satan at the same time. This is why people who are lukewarm are called babies, amen? Because God in his mercy does not allow lukewarmness when you are mature. If you try it, you will die. When I say you die, not the dying of, of a lightning bolt striking your head. No, the dying of the Antichrist. I don't want to get into that right now because that's what happened with Cain. Amen. Um, but let me just keep on reading, okay? So man was driven out, okay, of the Garden of Eden. Hallelujah. This is the mercy of God. Amen. That when you sin against God, there is a drawing back. Because if you don't draw back, <laughs> you will experience death. A man of God says something very, very, very funny. The kindest thing that God did to Satan was that hell was created. Because if Satan entered the lake of fire raw, it would not be nice. If Satan stayed in heaven, it would not be nice. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. Well, I hope you get the picture, okay? So Adam and Eve, all right, when they discovered who they were, there was this inner longing for restoration, right? So what you now see in the book of Genesis chapter 4, all right, is that Adam knows his wife and she brings forth two children. One is Cain, a man that she acquired from the Lord, and Abel, okay? The Bible says in verse 3, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruits of the ground to the Lord. What is the Bible showing you here, okay? This story was written to Jewish people. The process of time where people bring forth the fruits of the ground is a festival. It is a feast, all right? So what's happening here? These people, amen, Cain and Abel, were priests. They were learning, they were being tutored in how to offer sacrifices to God. How do I know? Read the story, amen? Now let me ask a question. Who was tutoring them? It was Adam, amen? Adam and his wife, they were teaching their children how to seek God the way they, could, they served God before, all right? Now, because they could not serve God the way they did before, all right, they had to find a way, all right, to let go of the thorns and thistles, all right, and the sweat of the brow, and what else? The thorns and thistles, the cursed ground, the sweat of the brow, and the bringing forth children in pain, amen? The great tribulation, you enter the kingdom of God, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So what was happening? Cain learned how to till the ground or till his heart. And Abel learned how to offer sacrifices to God. That's the, the cattle. Amen. These were skills that they became proficient in. Amen. Don't be distracted by the picture of a farmer and a herdsman. Pay attention to what is happening here. Because Adam and Eve when they were in the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Eden, the way it is described in the scriptures to a Jewish person reading the Bible, what they would see is a temple. What they will see is the tabernacle. 
the Garden of Eden looks like a giant tabernacle. See, that's how significant it was. Almost smashed my little menorah here. Amen. The tree of life actually was meant to be this thing. This thing you're seeing here called a menorah is an almond tree. It speaks of the tree of life. Go and check every rabbinic piece of literature that explains a menorah or speaks about the tree of life. Bible says uh, wisdom is a tree of life to those that lay hold on her. Amen. The book of Proverbs. Wisdom is a tree of life. Okay. My point is in all these things here is to show that there was this work that was ongoing. All right. Outside of Eden, it is not just a place. Amen. It's a state of being. Okay. So what, what that means that Adam and Eve, they fell out of Eden in their hearts, but they had memories, okay, vague memories, kind of like when you're in a, a level of intensity of your pursuits of God, amen? But then you fall out because of distractions or sin or, or, or whatever legitimate reason you come up with, amen? <laughs> Hallelujah, offense or something, amen? And, and whatever that case might be, you remember how on fire for God you used to be. Say, can I be on fire for God then? You have the memories there. And you remember what you used to do. I do them now. You now have to go through the labor, right? The disciplines, right? It's called, that's what repentance is. Amen. Embracing those lifestyles. Amen. Where you used to be before. The word repentance means to climb up to the pants, the peak of your walk with God. Hallelujah. So what would happen is that Adam and Eve, they would teach their children, amen, the best way they could their lifestyle. On teach them on teach them on how to best. Amen. Live out that same lifestyle with the hope of breaking back into Eden. That's what the sacrifices were for. To bring pleasure to God onto the cursed earth, okay? The cursed heart, amen, could be healed. Now, this actually does happen when Noah comes, but we don't want to get into that right now. Amen? Hallelujah. This is why what I'm, I believe what I'm saying is, is true. But I'm going to jump real quick to the end of um, chapter 4. Bible says Adam knew his wife again. This is after Cain and Abel. If um, Cain killed Abel, didn't fight. Adam knew his wife again. She bore his son and named him Seth. For God has appointed another seed to me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. Whom Cain killed. As for Seth, to him also a son was born. He named him Enosh. Then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. So can you see this picture here? Amen. There was a, like an outbreak, an outpouring of the spirits of God that took place after the birth of someone. So there was something that God wanted to do in the life, amen, of the children of Adam, specifically one generation after Adam's sons. So Adam's, Adam's children went to bring forth a specific kind of children. To do that, Adam and Eve were teaching their children how to do it. Two people emerged, amen, as strong um, proponents, amen, strong students, amen, of this priestly life, Cain and Abel. But Cain backslid and killed his brother, all right? Seth then emerged, all right, and was a successor to that same lifestyle of Abel, of offering sacrifice. And through that, when his son was born, he taught him as well, and a man began to call upon the name of the Lord. Does this narrative feel like I'm making it up, or can you see, like, the language of Scripture, amen? The narrative of Scripture being more clearly painted as these words are spoken. I hope that's what's happening. And I hope that you're not having, um, please, questions about, um, there's some other questions that are not, I'm not really focusing on here, amen? There's some questions that are not very important to what I'm getting at you. I'm just, I'm focusing on a specific theme here, okay? But I hope what I'm saying is being understood. Okay, I'm just gonna keep on going. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. 
He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. Adam lived 130 years old, gave birth to a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. So you can see a son is the one that has your image and likeness. All right. Jesus Christ being the son of God is another way of saying that Jesus Christ bears the image and likeness of God. Okay. After he begot Seth, the days of Adam were 800, blah, 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 blah. Adam lived 930 years old and he died. Seth lived 105 years old, begot Enosh. As he begot Enosh, Seth lived 870 years and had sons and daughters. This is the period of time when the outbreak of the spirit happened, okay? Enosh lived 90 years and begot Canaan. After he begot Canaan, da, 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 Canaan lived 70 years. Give birth to Mahulio. Mahulio, Canaan lived. Mahulio, Jared. Jared, Enoch, okay? We all know what happened when Enoch was born, right? When Enoch was born, that move of God that started with Enosh, Pete, right? And we saw what happened. There's all kinds of literature about this. There's a book called The Book of Enoch. There's a book called The Book of Jash. There's all these interesting books. I just consider them interesting Jewish literature. I haven't read any single one of them, but I know there's a lot of literature that's kind of floating around that talks about this subject matter here. Amen. But what I, I will encourage you to do is make sure you read the Bible. <laughs> I would never encourage you to read any of those, but I'm just letting you know that they exist. So you think that we're unaware of those things, even though we emphasize the scripture. Hallelujah. So Enoch walked with God 300 years, and then Enoch basically was not. He translated. Amen. And after him, Methuselah was born, then Lamech. Okay. Now look at this. Okay. All the days of Methuselah were 990 years, and then he died. Lamech lived 182 years and had a son and called his name Noah saying this one will comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands because of the ground which the lord has cursed so when noah was born it's actually in jewish literature that when the day that noah was born noah was born with eyes that were shining bright that he had kind of like when moses was born he looked unusual all right there was something unusual about him that only prophetic people could see and he went and asked Methuselah. it's some folklore I haven't read any of these books, so I heard someone preaching about this. I'm just telling you the story, okay? Hallelujah. I haven't read a single one of these books. <laughs> so I don't even know if what, what, what the person said is true, amen? But I, I, I believed it because I saw what he said in the scripture. I saw this before I heard him preaching about this. Does that make sense? And him preaching about this because he read some book does not validate the book that he read. Does that make sense? People, they think that because they see something in the Bible and another book has it, that the Bible took from that book. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Because the Bible, amen, are the words of our ancestors that were captured. Anyone can also put the same words in their book and then put what they also want inside of the book too and say that there is, a, you see, the Bible copied me. Is it not Habakkuk? Let me see. The burden which Habakkuk, my own says the burden which Habakkuk. Uh-huh. The Bible is copying my book. You see what I'm saying? That's how pseudopographer works. A lie has to be convincing. Amen? So I'm not saying that these books are lies. I'm just making sure you're not naive. Does that make sense? Like, don't, like I heard someone say that, oh, because Jude um, said the Lord comes a thousand of the saints. He, quote, he quoted Enoch. And the, another book called the book of Enoch. Uh, it, it also says, Kai, why is it that they took the book of Enoch out of the Bible? Honestly. Those discussions have nothing to say about them. Amen. I would tell you, read your Bible. Hallelujah. I would tell you again, read your Bible. Because I'll be honest with you, there is no wisdom you would find in any of those books that cannot but confirm. If it's not confirming the Bible, throw it away. Does that make sense? 
Why am I saying all these things? There's almost no need. It, and I'm not saying there's no need. These things are Jewish literature. It's kind of like I'm reading a book by, let me see, a famous pastor, Joel Osteen. Does that make sense? That's not the scripture. Does that make sense? Oh, I'm reading a book by, who else? A famous, famous author, Joyce Meyer. Okay? Those are nice, but that's not, that's, not why, that's not why I feed from. What do I feed from? The Bible. Does that make sense? So anything that Joyce Meyer says in the Bible, I throw it away. And I'm not recommending you throw away Joyce Meyer's book. <laughs> Everyone understands what I'm saying. Let me stop defending my words here. Amen. But I hope you see what I'm saying here, okay? So this happened with, I heard, and that's what they said in Jewish folklore. But that's what happened when Noah was born. There's lots of, there's lots of Jewish literature books. There's so many of them. They're insane. There's all these midrashes and so many of them. I, I started looking up so many of these things or whatever. There's so many of them. A few of them that the spirits of God um, highlighted as um, what you may call it. Some of them are inspired. Um, the people that wrote them were inspired by the Holy Spirit. Not that, I'm not saying that they're canon or scripture. They're inspired. So for example, there's times when you're under the influence of the spirits of God and you write things, okay? You're being inspired in your writing. That doesn't mean that your words are scripture. Does that make sense? Okay. I hope everyone is seen. I'm trying to balance both things here because concerning many of these books, my, your heart's leaning, the way your heart leans greatly det determines how you hear. So I've asked the Lord lots of questions, but every single time I ask him, I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's my le heart leaning a specific way. He tells me to just focus on the Bible. So I'm going to keep this going. Um, Lamech gave birth to Noah, okay? And he says, Noah is going to comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. Can you see that Lamech's, in, in the back of Lamech's mind, what is he looking for? The child that can what? Deal with our return to Eden. Can you see that? I'm trying to show you that the, the first family in the scriptures, they had a generational mindset. They had a, I'm going to say it again, they had a generational mindset. So when a child is born, you will see unction will rest upon someone and they'll begin to prophesy about the child. What, what, what you see is that you would see many of our ancestors, they had in their minds, amen, God's purposes. And they also understood generations. So what would happen is that they're doing everything, they're laboring all they can to bring forth, amen, worthy inheritance to give to their children. And they will bless the children that they have taught to not throw away this inheritance, amen. They have tutored successfully. They will then teach these ch children how to receive this inheritance and take it to the next level for their generation. This was what you're seeing in the book of Genesis chapter five. It started off in Genesis chapter four, where you see it poured out in Genesis chapter five, when men like Methuselah, men like Enoch, amen, men like Lamech, these men, when all of their brothers and sisters were abandoning the Lord, because after the period of revival broke out in the time of Enosh, there also came a time of, of darkness that resisted, fought against, it was fierce. <clears throat> it came from the family of Cain, amen? Hallelujah. And what now happened was, there's all this rebellion, some fallen angels, some weird stuff or whatever, da, da, da. I won't get into that today. But because of that, there was almost like a shutting down. But you see Noah, amen? All of the giants of his generation, he killed all of them. Check it. 
everyone that, amen, Noah's ark, Bible calls the flood that um, came during Noah's time, Bible calls it the flood waters of Noah, amen. The language there suggests that Noah's obedience to God brought the flood. Hallelujah. I hope everyone is seeing the picture here. You're going to discover that over the generations, Adam had a schematic. Adam had blueprints. Adam had a, an architectural plan, amen, for what the Lord had in mind. Because what he had in his mind was Eden, the agenda of God. Eden means the pleasure of God, the pleasure of God, the will of God. And so while he was out of Eden, all of his children, he wanted to tutor them, amen, in the ways of the Lord with the, with the end goal that they would bring forth portions of the tabernacle across different generations so that as mankind, as humanity, amen, they can enter back into Eden. Look at what, look at what Lamech said. Let's look at what Lamech said here. Lamech said here, okay, this one will comfort not just himself, he will comfort us, us, all of us concerning our work and the toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. Was he talking about farming, beloved? The answer is no. Amen. He was talking about the tilling of the heart that you see in Matthew 13 with the parable of the sower. Hallelujah. Amen. Can everyone see the picture? This generational mindset, amen, is seen all throughout the scriptures. Do you know that David's spiritual ancestor was Samuel, amen? And Samuel, amen, he grew up in the presence of God, amen, gave birth to David, not biologically, but by spiritual inheritance, all right? And then David gave birth to Solomon, not just by biology, but by spiritual inheritance, because David had many sons, but the son of David was Solomon, amen? And it was Solomon that came into the wisdom, amen? Hallelujah. That the life of Samuel would eventually birth. Can everyone see that? You see someone like an Elisha, all right? Walking in the footsteps of Elijah, of Elijah, amen? The climax of that family, that bloodline, amen? That stream of God, amen? Hallelujah. It's in the book of Revelation chapter 11 with the two witnesses of the Lord God of the whole earth. Hallelujah. You, I mean, you can, I can show you this time and time again. Abraham, all right? God said, I know him. He will command his children and his family after him, right? To do righteousness and justice. So the Lord will bring upon Abraham the things which he has promised them, promised him. That's Genesis chapter 18. God had in his, let's just look at this, okay? We'll use this to end today's meeting. Genesis chapter 18. God said, for I know him, amen. Beautiful words, beautiful words. From verse 17. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that I am, I am doing since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. So God showed Abraham some things for the future. We can see that in the scripture, it's very clear. God told him about the slavery children will go through, right? God told him he's going to visit them again. Joseph saw that and said that when God visits you people, all right, I'm not, I don't want to be left here. 
So take me, all right, to the promised land. Now, he wasn't just talking about their freedom from slavery. He was talking about the freedom of slavery that Christ would bring at the very end, during resurrection, on resurrection morning. Amen? <sighs> Hallelujah. I hope you're seeing the picture here. Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, all nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his house, okay? That the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. Hallelujah. I'm going to round this up in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that will come to you, searching what or what manner of time the spirits of Christ who was in them, okay, was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them, it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us. Can you see that? So Abraham would instruct his household to live in a certain way so that that thing he sees in the future can happen to them. And the Bible is saying here, our ancestors, all right, they saw the salvation that was coming to us. So what did they now do? They began to minister the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. The Bible says it was revealed to them. It was revealed that this is verse 12. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, but to us, beloved. Can you see the picture? Hallelujah. This, this right here, beloved, is the theme of our conference. Christ, the blueprint of the future ages. Our ancestors, they saw Christ, amen, in a figure. And they spelt him out so that the next generation can tell it further as well. As I think it's in Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2, right? Was it chapter 1? I think it was in chapter 1. Yes. Look at this real quick. Hallelujah. Beautiful portion of scripture. It says here, the word of the Lord that came to Joel, son of Bethuel, hear this, you elders. And give ear all you inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this happened in your days or even the days of your fathers? Tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children and their children another generation. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to thank you all so much for joining us, beloved. This has been worth for now, but we've been continuing our journey. <coughs> Hallelujah. Through um you know, that trajectory we've been on from the um, Washington Prophetic Conference. This is Crystal River's word for now. Hallelujah. And uh, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Pastor Francis Seba sends love and his greetings. Hallelujah. Um, tomorrow we have open book, and that's going to be beautiful, and that's going to be powerful. Amen. Don't forget that um, um, if you have not registered yet for the immersion, registration is still open. Hallelujah. So please, um, attendance is free, but if you want to camp, you have to the theme of today's teaching um is heritage so we're still basically we're we we're transitioning from the feast of israel amen into um um generations amen so simply um the tabernacle of god in different generations this is a theme that was captured in the watch prophetic conference amen so we want to show how the tabernacle was not found just at the end but it was actually scattered all throughout time amen hallelujah all right, so speaking of scattered and time, 
<laughs> we have our prayer stretch coming on. What a beautiful segue, huh? <laughs> we have our prayer stretch coming on, on on Thursday. Hallelujah. So please join us. Amen. You will, God will scatter you during our your time in his presence. A good scattering. Amen. He will dismember <laughs> the things that should not be. Amen. But was the things that should not be shaken. The things that cannot be shaking will be left behind. And the things that should be shaking. That's right. Scatter the shakable things. That's what's up. If y'all gets the memo. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to thank you all so much for joining us. You guys are amazing. Thank you for your patience. Um, don't forget that tomorrow morning we have our um, morning watch and our prayers for Nigeria. Jesus loves you, beloved. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Francis um, Seymour Jr. And I want to tell you to have a good night and Jesus dreams. Bye-bye. <laughs>